Chapter Ten of His First and Last Appearance by Francis J. Finnis J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Ten, Isabel's Hour of Desolation. During the night, Isabel slept but little. The face at the window, the strange, wild, troubled face with the eyes fixed apparently upon Philip, haunted her. Then, what could be the meaning of that second overcoat? The first was accounted for. But in the whole city of Milwaukee, who could there be sufficiently interested in her little Philip to order him a coat from Browning, King, and Company? And why should the donor be at the pains of keeping himself anonymous? For the first time in her life, Isabel experienced an uneasiness, a fear of the mysterious unknown. It was not for herself she was anxious, but for Philip. Repeatedly did she go back over all the incidents of the earlier part of the afternoon trying to fit them together and to piece out their connection with the mysterious apparition at the window and the no less mysterious gift of the overcoat. Philip's singing had attracted a crowd. Out of that crowd one was accounted for, Mr. John Dunn. Could he who appeared at the window have been a member of the improvised audience also? And if so, what did he want? Could the face at the window have had any connection with the sending of the second overcoat? Think and puzzle as she might, Isabel found no answer to these questions. But of one thing she felt sure, not through any process of reasoning, it was rather an intuition, she felt sure that Philip was being watched. And with this, it came home to her as it had not before, that she was a poor, defenseless girl, alone in a strange city, with no one to give her counsel, with no one to help and protect her in the hour of need. She began to reproach herself for having left New York, where she was known and loved. It was borne in upon her in the silent watches of that long, long night that she had done a foolish thing. Some danger, the more to be dreaded that it was unknown, was hovering near. Poverty was coming on apace. Oh, to be back in New York! Oh, to be near Professor Himmelstein! She had nearly broken the old man's heart. In her pride she had refused to listen to him and now he was gone, perhaps forever. Between him and her lay a great dividing water. Yes, of deliberate purpose she had cut the children away from their truest, loyalest friend. A keen homesickness, a great loneliness, a bitter agony swept over the soul of Isabel. Perhaps Philip was even now in danger? She hurried noiselessly into his room, dreading almost to look toward his bed, lest she should find it empty. She gave a little gasp of relief, when she found her fears belied. Philip was lying quite still and serene, breathing softly, his little arms outspread over the coverlet. The room was quite cool, and Isabel gently covered his hands and arms. How she loved her little brother! The thought of impending danger weighed heavily upon her heart. She was in an agony. In moments of desolation we become our severest critics. We give ourselves no quarter. Isabel had come to such a moment. She felt as she bent over her little Philip that from the day of her mother's illness to the present hour all her actions had been ill-considered and foolish. Trouble, difficulty, disaster were now impending. The thorns were pressing about her brows, thorns which she herself had plaited. In that moment of bitterness the poor girl was tempted to wish that it was all over, that life with its dangers and trials were swallowed up in death. It was a moment of weakness, and she at once recognized it as such. She tried to struggle, but feeling and nature fought stubbornly. In the heart of the conflict her eyes fell upon Philip. 
Then at once another wave rushed over her soul, the wave of sisterly love. She stooped and imprinted a fervent kiss upon the brow of the sleeping child. Philip moved uneasily, shifted his position, gave a little hymn, as though to clear his throat. Then he sang forth sweetly, clearly, Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices. And Isabel fell upon her knees and prayed fervently. It was, indeed, as though she had heard angel voices, for fear and doubt had gone, and the peace of God had returned to her and filled her soul with faith and confidence and trust. Dawn was breaking before she arose from her knees. She had passed a sleepless night, but she had no regrets for the loss, for again she had heard the angels calling, and their message was, too pure for the touch of a word. End of chapter 10